Fan Junkies Radio is brought to you by FanJunkies.net, where sports meets social networking. Welcome to episode 19 of Fan Junkies Radio. Once again, I am your host, Jonathan Raggis. Alongside me, as always, is my buddy, my pal, Mike McShane. Mike, how you doing? Doing fantastic. Fantastic. Hectic day in sports yesterday. It's It's been like that a lot lately. Yes. Well, it's October, which means, you know, you got all kinds of sports kicking up. But boy, we had a lot of activity yesterday, and I guess we're going to get into a lot of that today. A- absolutely. But before we get into that... Uh, let's just mention that today we are going to have uh, current uh, Columbus Blue Jackets assistant uh, coach Dan Hynote, who also played for the St. Louis Blues and the Colorado Avalanche in the NHL. He's going to be calling in at around the 12:15 uh, mark, and we're going to talk NHL lockout and great news NHL proposal that looks really good, and we're hoping the NHL PA accepts it so we can have some hockey by November 2nd, Mike. Right, going to be great. That's what the word is. That's what the word is. Well, and we'll we, cross our fingers, and uh, you know what? We'll talk more about that offer, and uh, more, could, you know, more hockey when Dan calls in. Absolutely, because as you, as I pointed out to you, I, you know, I've been, I've been studying these proposals as they've come down, and I took a good look at this one this morning. So, yep, yep, we both did. It's a, it's a good one. So. Yeah, it, 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 at least it appears to be. Let's put it that way. Absolutely. Anyway, uh, let's move it over to baseball first before yep. uh, we get to our guest when he calls in. Uh, Yankees and Tigers last night, Mike. Yep. Uh, you know, I said it again, Verlander is just a machine. He's the best pitcher in baseball, probably the best pitcher we've seen in many, many years. Yep. Uh, you know, there's nobody that pitches like him. And last night, 8.1 innings pitch, three hits, one run, which was a home run uh, from Eduardo Nunes, the uh, shortstop taking Derek Jeter's place, right. a 1.08 ERA. Right. Now, let me ask you this, Mike. 3 nothing, game four, tonight in Detroit. CC Sabathia going up a very reliable Max Scherzer. Can the Tigers sweep? Uh, well, you know, you brought it up. You brought it up on Monday, and yeah. and, and I said, well, I don't know. I mean, who'd have thunk that it, it would be where it is? You know, nobody. Uh, uh, frankly, I don't think anybody expected the Yankees to lose, as I pointed out on Monday, their first two games at uh, at home. But my goodness, you've got uh, Detroit sitting here with a with a very very comfortable three zero lead. Uh, if they were to lose this series somehow or another, it would be one of the probably go down as one of the most ma- major collapses of all time in 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 uh, playoff history. Um, can they sweep? Yeah, I think the momentum, despite the fact you might have Sebastian going, I think the momentum's got to be on Detroit's side at this particular moment. Uh, the Yankees have had no offense at yeah. all. No, absolutely uh, not. Their bats have been dead. Yeah, I, I mean. Uh, but, but I gotta give it to I gotta I gotta give a shout out because I was watching the very you know it was the top of the ninth inning last night. Uh, there are the Tigers ahead two two one. Coke is in uh, relieving uh, Verlander, and and who's the last man standing for the Yankees but Raul Abanez? And man alive, what a bat he gave to Coke. He just stood in there and stood in there and stood in there for the longest time. And I thought for sure, I thought for sure that he was going to find a way to get on because he just kept fouling them off and fouling them off and fouling them off. 
That was after, if I'm not mistaken, Coke had gotten himself into a little bit of trouble by putting two men on. Yep. So yep. there were two, two hits, on. one strikeout last night for Coke, but he right. got safe. There were two on. There were two on, and, and Abanez up at the plate with uh, with two outs. Uh, and and I got to give a shout out to him because this guy, uh, as we talked about on Monday, man alive, he has been clutch. Uh, he wasn't last night, uh, but he certainly has been. And I I was sitting here watching it, and I'm thinking to myself. Well, if there was a guy you want to have the, the the bat in the hands of right now in a situation like this, I guess it would be Abanez because uh, he's had the hot hand. Well, not even that. You know, it's just everybody else has been awful for the Yankees. And, yeah. uh, you know, going on down from just about everybody, from a Teixeira, you know, right on down to Granderson, who are these big money names that you would expect to get these timely hits for the Yankees and keep them going because – whether you believe it or not, this is Yankees baseball, and that's how it's been for many, many, many years. Now it's you know the guys you have going up there, the Canos, the Grandersons, the yep. Teixeiras, uh, you know the uh, you know the Russell Martins. They're not doing a thing. Yeah, and, so why not? I mean, that was the perfect situation for the Yankees last night to have Raul Baez up there because he's the only one slaughtering the ball besides Suzuki. No, Mister October on this roster, that's for sure. Uh, but, you know, as I pointed out on Monday, I think we were starting to see shades of this uh, as 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 early as early August, uh, where all of a sudden they just offensively, they went to sleep. Yeah. So uh, I don't know if really it's if it's all a surprise. Uh, I guess it's a surprise because, you know, so many of us have just become accustomed to the fact that America's team is going to be there in October. There is going to be the Yankees. They're going to be the ones fighting for the uh, American League championship. <laughs> Absolutely. But uh, and I mean, you know, mind you, they are there. They're but but they're just not fighting. No, 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 not at all. So, you know, and and you know what? The funny part is they go and sit in Nick Swisher. They go and sit in Alex Rodriguez, who've both been awful. They put in Brett Gardner. They put in uh, uh, what's his name from uh, the former athletic Eric Chavez right. last night, and they go hitless. Yep. So it's like you know what? They can't even get any relief from their own bench. Well, I mean, you're talking about going up against Verlander. I, I, you know, I pointed out. I mean, the Yankees used six six pitchers, uh, uh, you know, last night to Verlander's uh, and Coke, and that was it. Um, I guess their starter uh, was uh, Hughes. Their starter. Yeah, he was last night three innings pitched. Went three he innings. One That's one, it. Like, he left injured, didn't he? Uh, I, you know, that was at a time when I wasn't following the game. Yeah, yeah. He actually left the game in the bottom of the fourth inning due to an apparent back injury. So that really. Hurt them as well, but they already did the damage and got one earned run on Phil Hughes, and that's all they needed last night. Yep. yep. So, so uh, you know, I, I sh- I'm a little bit remiss. I probably should have checked to see what the Vegas line is on the game tonight, uh, uh, only out of my own curiosity. Uh, but I got to tell you, I think uh, uh, if I were a betting person, which, hey, I never do, never, ever. Uh, no, I would uh, – <laughs> uh, I'd say hmm, – Detroit's got the momentum. They might as well get this thing finished up. Yeah. I, I, you know what? The Yankees, the weight of the world, the weight of the Yankees organization is on the back of CC Sabathia right now to shut the Tigers out because, hate to say it, that's their only chance tonight. That, and they better get a little bit of offense coming from somebody. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's great. I mean, they're going to need it. Grandison yep. hasn't had a hit yet. You know, I, who else can they get it from? Yeah. Yep. You, know, you know, Cano's going to have to wake up. Teixeira's going to have to finally do something. And you know you know what? People knock the trade, but Ichiro has been really good this series. Mm-hmm. He's the only one getting hits. Yep. He's batting for uh, – he had, he had another two hits last night. So, 
Yeah, I guess if there's a weakness over on the Detroit lineup, uh, it would be your buddy uh, Prince Fielder. Oh, well, he's just he's garbage. <laughs> honestly, I, I, I honestly feel like calling the, the uh, Tigers organization and trying to get Prince Fielder's phone number and call him up and say, hey, I, I think you should give Detroit back some of their money. <laughs> I might agree with you. He's off. I might agree with you. It's awful, man. Cecil, man, wherever he is, he's probably just shielding his eyes and saying, man, I was a better Tiger than he was. Oh, uh, well, there's no doubt about that. <laughs> that's, that's that's unquestionable. Yeah. And I hate to say it, but Prince Fielder swings a better bat, but unfortunately Cecil knew how to hit. You yeah. Know? yeah uh, you know, Fielder uh, just tries to, you know, to swing for the fences all the time. To me, it's 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 not even uh, it's not it's not a comparison. That's but then again, watching him run a double is pretty funny. Yes. Want to you know uh, somehow play the Benny Hill theme music when he's running around the bases, Prince Fielder? Just <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, soundboard, man. I'd love to have the Benny Hill theme going on right now. All right. So, what do you what do you what's your take? Did Tigers finish it up tonight or what? Uh, right now, it's fifty fifty, only because it's Sabathia on the hill tonight. Uh, you know, depending on how Scherzer hit, you know pitches, I, I honestly believe that the Tigers can sweep this tonight. I, you know, I'm and I, I know Yankee fans are not going to want to hear it. But there are a lot of Yankee fans that have contacted me about it as well and said it, it just does not look good. They have no faith in their hitters right now, and that's where the offense lies. So if CC Sabathia doesn't limit them to at least one run tonight or shut them out, who knows what's going to happen? Yeah. You know? So right. uh, you know, and then also playing in Detroit should make for an interesting watch. That's yeah. for sure. Absolutely, Mike. Absolutely. Uh, another game of the schedule tonight: Giants and Cards. Uh, you know, who do you see winning this one real quick? Uh, Matt Cain going up against Kyle Loesch, two really reliable pitchers for both teams. Series. Uh, four o'clock today on Fox. What do yeah, you series is, series is tied at 1-1, and we're going to St. Louis. Uh, personally, I like St. Louis in the matchup. Yeah. I like St. Louis. I'm going to be honest with you. I like St. Louis to win this series. Not only because I'm with you. I, I actually think the Cardinals will be able to pull it out and win this series. I, I don't think the Giants are that good of a team. I'm sorry. I agree with you. I agree with you. In fact, that's exactly what I was just going to say. There's nobody on the Giants that intimidates you. you no. When you look up and down the lineup, you just go, you know, you you, you can pick out, uh, you know, one or two names out of there, and you go, okay, Buster Posey, or or uh, I don't have the roster directly up in front of me, but you know, you look it up and down, and you go, really, really. You know, uh, San Francisco's got a, a fairly good starting rotation, and they got a good bullpen. Yeah. But uh, I think St. Louis has got the experience of being there uh, in the, in the playoffs, and they've got they've got a little more offense. Yeah. And I, I give uh, I give the game today to uh, to St. Louis. Yeah. You know what? I think the Cardinals are just a a, a well rounded team and a much better team than the Giants are. So I agree. You know, and like we said, it's going to come down to pitching because so far there's been a lot of offense in these games. So well, as I pointed out on Monday, I know, you know it's an old saying, but it's the truth. Yeah. When you get to the playoffs, everything is pitching. It's all pitching. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But then again, if you look at the Yankees, hasn't been the pitching, hasn't been the problem for them. It's been their offense. Well, that's with losing up the series. Uh, yeah, but you could turn that the other way and go, wait a minute, they, in, particularly in last night's game, they're up against Verlander. Yeah, but you know what? Not even so again. Once again, you know what? They only, you know what? The pitchers pitched well for the Yankees. Yes. You know, Hughes went out early. Phelps came in. Rapata came in. Epley, Logan, Chamberlain. And only Phelps let up a, a run, but it wasn't earned. No doubt about it. They used their bullpen quite quite effect, uh, effectively. Um, it has been, Finally. You know that you know you know because in the beginning of the season it wasn't like that. So mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll, we'll see how deep that bullpen is again tonight. Okay. <laughs> well, Mike, you know me. 
that's enough baseball talk for me. Oh, I hear you. You know. Well, but, we got but, another. We we got another what? Week and a half? Two weeks of this? Yeah, and then it, it'll be over, and then hockey will be back. And man, let me tell you, early Christmas. I'm gonna be like a little kid waking up on Christmas morning, man. There you my go. first Rangers game this year. I can't. There wait. you go. You know what? And we got the uh, the hockey writers live over here from Blog Talk Radio in our chat room, and I know uh, Chris and all the guys over there. They can't wait for hockey to start. Well, of course. You know, all of us can, man. Of course. It's, you know, it's it's devastating without it. Mm-hmm. It really is. You know, it's 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 just you go all summer waiting for it. You know, the summer is you know. Summer sucks to me in a way. You know, I, I don't mind the heat too much, but then again, all I can think about is hockey, and, you know, that's what gets me through the summer, and then all of a sudden, boom. Yeah. No hockey. It's it's just a big disappointment, Mike. Yeah, I, well, I hear you. I, I hear you. You know, it really is a disappointment. Oh. So, But then again, you know, good offer yesterday, so there's uh, some kind of progress. Yep. So let's hope. But before we get to. Uh, to Dan Highnote before he calls, and uh, let's just uh, mention this quick. And uh, I want I want to get your opinion on this, Mike. Uh, Eagles have finally fired defensive coordinator Juan Castillo, guy who shouldn't have had the job in the first place. Mm-hmm. Mike, are you happy about this? And what do you think about uh, the uh, replacement in Todd Bowles? Uh, I got the word, I guess, about 9:30 yesterday morning, and I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I was shocked. Uh, I didn't expect it. I didn't see it coming. Uh, the day before at uh, Andy Reid's uh, uh, day after press conference, uh, he had insinuated that he was going to be taking a look at things. The Eagles were on a bye. We don't play for, uh, well, I guess, now a week and a half. Uh, and he said he was going to be taking a look at everything. He was asked directly uh, on uh, Monday whether, in fact, uh, uh, one of the changes that could be made before uh, the game against Atlanta might be uh, Juan Castillo. He indicated directly on Monday at this particular moment, Juan Castillo is my defensive coordinator. And then yesterday morning at 9.30, we find out that Andy Reid had, in fact, uh, dismissed him. Uh, how do I feel about it? Uh, you, you know, I guess something had to be done. Personally, I think that the problem with the Eagles this year has been less the defense and more the offense. Um, I, I guess at this particular moment, you can't go and fire uh, Morningwig. But... Yeah. We got a caller. Yep, actually, uh, we're going to get to our guest now. On the line is current Columbus Blue Jackets assistant coach and former NHL player Dan Hynout. Dan, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me. It's, 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 it's a real pleasure to have you on. As you all know, we are just such huge NHL fans here, yeah. and it's been devastating without hockey. So, Dan, I can only feel how bad it's been for you not being able to uh, coach your Blue Jackets. Yeah, you know what? You can only stare at old film and the walls for for a certain amount of time before you start going <laughs> stir crazy, and and we've got that in spades right now in, in Columbus. But uh, you know, there's it seems to be a little bit. I can't talk at length, obviously, uh, about the CBA, but it looks yes. to be uh, some traction, you know, with uh, the current proposal. So uh, that's that's good. I think that it's good for both sides to get moving one way or another. Yeah, and and it was great that the NHL put the full explanation of the proposal on NHL.com today. Mike and myself looked it over, and yep. it, it it seems to be a very very fair deal, uh, Dan. Uh, you know, do you have faith that the hockey season is going to start and we're going to have a full 82 game season? Yeah, you know what, I think so. I think there's, um, you know, I'm sure there's a ton of logistics that that you know the layman doesn't doesn't know. I know I don't. Yeah. Uh, that has to be worked out before it gets all said and done, but. Uh, I think the 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 fifty fifty is important. I think the 
you know, as far as the players are concerned, I know they were, they wanted to maintain, you know, that whatever they made, you know, obviously they've been very public about that as far as their contracts are concerned. So I think, you know, maybe that's been addressed. So, uh, you know, it looks good. It looks, I'm optimistic. Dan, I recognize that you probably are in a situation where you probably don't want to get into too much of the detail of it. I was a little bit surprised by the 50-50 proposal. That really seemed like quite a quite a concession on the part of uh, the NHL and on the part of the owners. Did that surprise you in any way? Um, I think that you know, looking at the other sports, I think it's pretty standard. You know, I I, I didn't know if it was ever going to get to that point, so I'm happy about that because uh, mm-hmm. I feel like that was going to be a sticking point. So, in regards uh, to getting a hockey season going, uh, it's a good thing. Uh, now, like I said, I don't know. I'm not on either side's negotiating committee, so whether it's going to be looked upon as as a good thing or not, I don't know. But uh, I'm I'm happy that it's it's where it's at right now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we we definitely all are. So, Dan, you this is probably another lockout you're going through. One is a player, now one is a coach. What's the difference? To, you know what? From your perspective, uh, you know the the difference from from a coach's standpoint is. Uh, you know, for me, when I was a player, I went over and played in Sweden. And yeah. so, uh, and I was trying to express this, you know, to some people uh, that I know here in Columbus, that as a hockey player, when you are when you go overseas and play, that's where your head's at. And, you know, mind you, you're still aware of what's going on over, and you're still concerned because you want to play in the NHL. But yeah. hockey players are built to be committed into whatever they're doing. So the more players I saw going overseas, the more I knew, uh, you're going to have less contact and less worry about what goes on over here. So right. I know from a player standpoint, as soon as I put on that Moto jersey in Sweden, I wanted to win the championship there. You know, and if the NHL worked out, great. Uh, and if it didn't, I was going to try and win a championship in Sweden. I know a lot of hockey players are built that way. Yeah. Uh, you know, from a coaching perspective, you have no other options, you know, yeah. really. You can help out with some high school teams. You can do this. You can help out in the community you know, and, and that sort of thing. But as far as your job is concerned, you really want this thing to end so you can get back to doing what you do. So the, the, that, to me, is the biggest difference is twiddling my thumbs versus, you know, putting my uh, work into something else. Right, so a little more cabin fever this time around, I guess. <laughs> yeah, cabin <laughs> fever, and you know what, I'm I'm part of uh, the management side of things now, too, so I can understand a little bit more uh, as far as, their concerns and what they want going forward as opposed to when I was a player, you know, you really are only uh, educated on what you want to be educated on. So, mm-hmm. you know, I was young and uh, single, and I was going over to play uh, with Peter Forsberg and live at his house. So <laughs> did I care that there was a lot? <laughs> yeah, I cared. Uh-huh. I had some decent stuff on the side to work about, too. So, so I well, mean, there's a, there's a significant difference in that regard, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Definitely. Well, Dan, you know what? We we were sitting here today looking at the Columbus Blue Jackets roster. And, of course, you know, dating back to last season with, you know, the whole mess with Rick Nash and, and the trade rumors and everything. And, you know, looking at the Blue Jackets roster back then as well, you know, they didn't look as, a, you know, like a competitive team. But we're looking at it today. And, you know what? The defense core that you have, it, it looks – like a, it's it's going to be an up and coming one. It looks really good, you know, with uh, you know, with Newski, Tootin, uh, you know, bringing over Jack Johnson last season, which was a phenomenal move we thought. But now you're bringing over a guy like Tim Erickson, and you know, it, it really looks like a, an up and coming defensive core that nobody has really been talking about. 
not even talking about the forwards. With you looking at the roster and the players you have right now, do you see the Columbus Blue Jackets really competing this year? Of, of course, without you know having Rick Nash, who's been such a cornerstone of the Blue Jackets franchise. Well, certainly, I think you know you look at our lineup now, and and it's you know I wish you guys would keep this kind of stuff quiet because we want to stay off the radar as long as possible. <laughs> but uh, you know you, you look at our decor, and and I think you know as a player, sometimes uh, certainly as a forward, you don't put a lot of emphasis on how important the deep position is. In fact, there's always an ongoing you know, battle between the forwards and the D, but yeah. you realize as a coach that you really have to have a steady D back there if you want to win on a consistent basis. And I think when you look at our D, and people don't take into account, and I, and it's just because, you know, he's, he was relatively young, that Nikitin is a, is a heck of a D man. You know, Tudin's been around, and, and he's phenomenal. Jack Johnson's phenomenal. Wisniewski, you know, we got those guys. But then you throw in a, a Nikitin in there uh, who's really, really underrated, if you ask me. And, you know, not to mention, you throw an old coin in the mix, who's a, who's mm-hmm. a phenomenal leader, great guy in the room, and, and you know what, she can still play 20 minutes easy. Like, he's <laughs> wow. a real smart player. And, uh, you know, and then you got you got a couple young kids. you got this Erickson that uh, I supposedly pretty good. I haven't seen him play yet. Uh, Johnny Moore is a good young player. Uh, and then, you know, uh, worst-case scenario or best-case, depends how you look at it, we also drafted a pretty good D-man uh, this year in that Murray that could, you know, possibly play – uh, relatively quickly here. So, you know, as far as the D is concerned, I think we're doing all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know what, looking at your goalies as well, you got Mason, uh, you got Bobrovsky you brought in last year. Um, is Mason going to be the starter this year from what you think? Yeah, good question. I was going to ask that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've, I've been asking that too. But, uh, you know, what, <laughs> in the end, it, you know what, it's, it's a great situation, I think, for both goalies because here's a situation where – they have to come in and compete for the job. Yes. And, you know, I've played on some teams where Patrick Waugh was the goalie and there's no competition and there's no question, you know, as to what's going to happen. And then, you know, I've been in other situations where the goalie position is up for grabs. So I think in this case, that's what you're going to see. I think you're going to see both guys pushing each other to be their best. I mean, they're both good good people. Uh, you know, we're excited as an organization to have Bobrovsky, and I don't know if you've heard much about him, but this guy's a, he's a workaholic, yes. and uh, and he's just a machine, which is great because that'll push Mace, and Mace is, is an unbelievable talent. And if he can, you know, if we can mix those two together and and, uh, and somehow come up with a formula, I think we're going to be in good shape in that in that regard. But but I do like the dynamic between those two as far as them pushing each other for that starting job. Mm. I'm from the Philly area, so I know Bobrovsky quite well. Um, Dan, the, uh, according to what we're hearing with regard to the CBA, and you're talking about goalies competing against each other, uh, the NHL indicated that if, in fact, they could have a CBA in place by the 25th of, of October, uh, that, in fact, uh, real play would start by, what was the date, November 6th? Uh, yeah, I think it was, yeah, it was around second, that. Second, second or sixth, yeah, I think. Okay. So there's not a heck of a lot of time there for uh, training camps and for for uh, competition uh, in a preseason. Some of that competition might actually be slopping over into the into the uh, regular season, wouldn't you say? Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, exactly. I think it's going to be. It's not just going to be, you know, a, a training camp duel, and then we're going to have a clear cut number one. I think it's going to be, you know, game by game, month by month, week by week type thing where. You know, if if one goalie is standing on his head, then you know that that's our starter until he 
you know, falls off the wagon, you know, or maybe he doesn't. Maybe whoever ends up out of camp stays hot <laughs> all year and, and he can ride him that way. But, but yeah, I think this is a situation where, and certainly with, you know, with the timelines that we're going to be working with, you don't really have time to have a clear-cut battle, you know. So it's going to carry over, and you're going to have to go with the hot hand. Now, who right. who gets the nod uh, to start game one, who knows? You know, that's that's a decision made by higher ups than I, but uh it'll be it'll be fun to watch. Let's put it that the, way. The other thing that I that initially concerned me in just hearing about the potential of an eighty two game season uh is the compression of that season. Um I haven't seen or heard exactly what the calendar would be, but obviously when you're taking a full month off the front end, if in fact the intention is to try to get all of those eighty two games in by say the early part of April there's going to be potentially we could be looking at at a lot more injury this year. I mean, that that just stands to reason. Right. Yeah. That's that's just logic. You're right. There's a there's going to have to be a lot of work done with your strength coach, with your training staff, with your coaches, as far as maintaining you know the health of these players because uh, an 82 game season over the normal length of time is grinding. Right. Uh, now you try and you try and sub in. I think we we would have lost around eight games in October. You try and sub in one, maybe two games uh, per month. I mean, in a, in a hectic schedule already, it, it's going to be really tough to do. Um, yeah. I know there there was talk, and it, like I said, it's all conjecture at this point. But there was talk of, of elongating the season through April, uh, you know, which would give us at least you know a couple more weeks to fit those games in, which which I think would make sense. It's just it's really hard, I think, logistically, you know, for the league to just add a month. But it's, I think, looking at our schedule, we have, uh, I think, three or four of those games on the road of those eight. And, you know, when, when you're trying to just throw in a road game somewhere, yeah, right, in the middle of the schedule, that's, you know, there's that's two days you're talking about of work. So it's it's really tough to do. And we, I was looking at the schedule today, and I just don't see how you could do it without you know, just making the season longer, and then, you know, hopefully the, the playoffs would go through June. But like I said, there's there's other things at play here, the TV contracts and stadium sellout stuff. You know what I mean? There's, there's a lot of a lot of little moving parts that we don't take into account that make well, it really sure. hard to do that. So sure. who knows how it's going to work out. But you're right. It's going to be one of those things where the coaching staff, training staff, the strength staff is going to have to really work together to keep the guys healthy. Yep, yep, yep. It's 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 definitely going to be interesting to see how you know it's it's all going to play out, but uh, you know Dan, going back to the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets roster, um, you know I know you haven't seen Tim Erickson play yet, but you know were you able to watch any videos or even previous games over the last couple of seasons, and uh, you know were you able to watch Artem Anisimov and Brandon Dubinsky play, and how would they fit in with the Columbus Blue Jackets? Yeah, you know what, uh, that's the first thing I did, you know, in the first week, um, all the ambition. And I uh, went through all their shifts from last year. You know, not all of them, but, you know, a pretty yeah. good amount for yeah. Felino, for Anisimov, for Dubinsky. And, you know, it was it was actually great because Anisimov and Dubinsky played a lot together. Definitely. Um, and then they played, uh, you know, against the Senators quite a bit as well. Mm-hmm. And so watching even the playoffs, um, you know, get a great feel for the kind of hockey they're going to bring. And, you know, Dubinsky... Uh, plays a pretty good all-around game. Mm. You know, he's uh, when he's got the puck, he's, he can do some things that, that'll make you shake your head. Uh, and so I'm excited about that. You know, he's uh, coming from New York where the system 
you know, from a, from a penalty kill coach standpoint, uh, really, really like what they did there as far as their commitment to block the shots and so on and so forth. So when you're getting those um, added to your lineup, that's a lot of blocks. That's a lot of penalty kill time. Those That'll help the team in that regard. They both played on the power play as well. Uh, you know, so you're getting two players that, that can do it all. You're talking about 20-minute guys, 18-minute guys that, that you're throwing into your lineup, uh, which help a lot. You know, and then you watch over, then you turn it over and you watch uh, Felino, and and then he's as irascible as you can get. I mean, he had mm-hmm. I think 150 or 180 pins last year, and and uh, and legit, like he was a, he was a pain in the ass to play against. He was always <laughs> in the street. Um, and you know what? I actually knew him. His his old man, uh, Mike, who's one of the probably one of the nicest humans on earth, was my coach uh, in Hershey. Mm-hmm. And so I was I was skating on the ice. You know, as a 21-year-old with this little Felino kid, ankle biting us and, and, and slashing us and all this stuff. The next thing you know, he's, <laughs> he's one of he's one of my players. But uh, he's going to be a great addition as well. You know, you throw him. You know, Dubinsky plays that hard game. Uh, Wisniewski. You got Dorsett. You got Bowl. You got McKenzie. I mean, it's not going to be an easy lineup to play against every night. And that's, I think, from a coaching standpoint, really important. Every night, you know, you look at that lineup and you go, okay, well, who's going to bring it tonight? And the more the more guys you can save for 82 games, he's going to bring it tonight, the better team you're going to have. And I think that's what we've done here this summer. Yeah. yeah. We actually uh, we actually have a question from the uh, chat room here from the Hockey Writers Live, who's also another radio show. Uh, Dan, he asked, uh, can you know, can Artem Anisimov and Nick Foligno really play 18 to 20 minutes a night? John Tortorella's big knock on Artem Anisimov here in New York was that – you know, you know, was against Anisimov's late season conditioning. So, from so from your perspective on what you've seen, these guys can play 20 minutes a night. Yeah, I think I think they can, and I think conditioning is a choice. You know, for the most part, as far as, uh, as doing the right things, eating the right things. You know, if if it means he's got to spend a little bit more time on the bike or the treadmill, you know, to play these minutes now because he he doesn't have a Callahan to follow or a you know a Gabrick or you know whoever. Uh, exactly. You know, he's going to have to step up and play a bigger game here, a little bit more responsibility, probably some more minutes. And if that means we got to do a little bit more off ice, then so be it. But the nice part is it's a choice. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, if you said he wasn't tall enough or he wasn't fast enough or he wasn't long enough, you know, then those are things you can't control. But I think conditioning is one of those things that you can control. So if it's if it's if that's the problem, then I think that can be fixed. But I do watching the games I've watched. Uh, like the way he plays, you know, he's not, he's not, he doesn't shy away from the corners. He plays a no. physical game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Felino's the same thing, you know, and, and I think obviously when you play those types of minutes or hard minutes and, and they wear on you, but like I said, I think our, our conditioning and strength coach does a great job keeping guys ready for the type of minutes they're going to play. And, and I think these guys are coming into the season knowing they're going to have a lot of responsibility. So hopefully they're in that shape. Mm-hmm. Well, they can handle it. They both played in New York. Uh, you know, me being a huge Rangers fan, uh, you know, knowing Dubinsky and Anisimov both well, you're getting two class acts in Columbus, and that's really going to help you guys out there. Mm-hmm. Um, now, one final question before we let you go. Um, you know, Rick Nash, you know, he was a leader in Columbus. He, you know, he was a cornerstone of that franchise for so many years. Um, you know, how, you know, can can Columbus rebound from that type of a loss of that type of player? You know what? It's it's you can't replace Nasher with one person. You know, yeah. you could have you could have traded for I don't know maybe ninety eight percent of the league and not replace a guy like him. Mm-hmm. And we understand that. I know the city understands it. The city, 
like Nashville was phenomenal for the city. Put put Columbus on the map. He he, yep. he buried the team on his back for so many years, and he did it with nothing but class. You know, and can you can you replace him? No, you can't replace him. But what you can do is you can start to build uh, a little bit of a like it's almost like you're starting from scratch. You, you move Nashville, he goes to New York, and now you have a clean slate. Uh, from a coaching perspective, especially coming off the losing seasons we've had, that's nice because now, yeah. okay, we want to we want to establish something here. Let's do it from scratch. You know, you bring in the guys we brought in this summer. I know Todd, Todd's uh, probably the perfect coach for this environment to where you can start from scratch, build up, uh, create accountability, and do all of these things you want to accomplish as a coach. It, sometimes it's it's hard to do that coming in when you have superstars that you have to work around. Yeah. You know, you couldn't go into into Detroit or San Jose and these places and, and start from scratch. You just can't do it, right? There's there's too much there. Yeah. Uh, this is a case where where we can do that, you know, and, and we're trying to build something here, and, and we're making great steps. And like you said, you know, um, our D core is all set. we got a really good youth D in the minors, too, you know, worst-case scenario, come injury or an eight-game suspension. But, uh, you know, we have those things in place now, and that's a good step. we got... Uh, Bobrovsky, we got Mace, you know, we got a couple good NHL goalies, uh, uh, McElhaney in the uh, in the minors is, is playing well so far, so, you know, there, there's stability there. We've got some good young uh, forwards, and, the, and then the forwards we've already talked about. So, you know, there's, there's positive momentum going forward, and, and we're excited about that. Now, like I said, you can't replace Nashville with one guy, but hopefully what you can do for the city, and it's a blue-collar city, is is put a put an identity in place that that they'll be proud of. Let me just do a real quick follow up on that, if I could, because uh, and and let's get let, let's be honest here. You you bring up a you bring up an interesting point. And Nash was an attraction for the city. Is there a buzz about Blue Jackets hockey in Columbus? Because I mean, we can't get away from the fact that when we hear about you know some of the struggling teams and what have you, the Blue Jackets name comes up. Is there a buzz about hockey coming up in uh, Columbus? Yeah, no, you can definitely feel it. I mean, I don't think anybody or any city was more disappointed about this lockout than Columbus. Mm-hmm. You know, we got we got all these new additions. Um, you know, new coaching staff with with Craig Hartsburg, uh, Keith Acton coming in. You know, very everyone's excited about that. I know I am. I have a ton to learn from these guys. In fact, I used to watch them uh, growing up, but I won't mention that to them. But they. Uh, <laughs> You know, you get to, you've got the all-star game coming in. Like, the city is very excited about hockey, you yeah. know. And 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 like you had uh, mentioned earlier, you know, you get a guy like Jack Johnson uh, that comes in here, and now he's not flashy, right? He's not going to score you 50 pretty goals. But he's going to play. He, he was 30, 40, 34 minutes a night easy uh, at the end of the year last year, and he wasn't even breathing hard at the end of it. Yeah, uh, you can't account for how important those kind of people, those those cornerstones are for your for your hockey team, and and people will slowly realize that over an 82 game season, and realize you know what a great trade that was for us. But uh, there is there's a lot of excitement coming into the into the city. There's a lot of excitement in the locker room. I know prior to the lockout, the guys were you know all these new faces, but they're new faces that that have been around the league. So right, it's, right. It's great. It's a great feeling right now, and I know from a coaching uh, perspective, we're really excited to get this thing started. Well, that's great. That's wish, great. Wish, wish them luck. 
No, absolutely. <laughs> Dan, thank you so much for joining us absolutely. today here. It, it was you know, amazing to have you on. We're, we're such really huge was. NHL fans, and to talk NHL after talking about baseball so much, it, 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 was, it was a breath <laughs> of fresh air. Thank you so much, man. Thanks, Dan. Of course. Yeah, Thank you so much, Dan. If you need me uh, throughout the season, just uh, shoot me an email. I'll, I'll hop back on. Oh, absolutely, man. We'll definitely be talking to you, man. Good luck. Right. Good luck. Season. Hope it gets going on time. Yeah, that's true. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Awesome absolutely. stuff. Dan's, yeah, Dan's a really great Perfect. guy. That's act. Always has been. Yep. Man, you know, I have to say because, you know, coming from running Ranger Nation for going into its 12th year now, um, you know, it, looking at the roster, it's such a hardworking bunch of guys on this roster. And now you're adding a, a, a Dubinsky who Rangers fans knows is just is a class act, but it, he just never gives up. And yeah. then Anisimov out of the spotlight in New York and going to a team like Columbus where he could really turn himself around, you know what? It, it, you know what? They're probably going to be really good this year. I mean, who knows? You know. Well, it's yeah, it's it's possible. I you know, I thought I thought the point about Nash was was valid. Yes, uh, from valid. the standpoint of uh, of of Columbus being a market. Yeah. Uh, and and that's why I was just curious whether, you know, hey, you lose a big name like that. Uh, yes, you make some adjustments. Yes, you make some improvements. Uh, yes, you got some things coming down the line. Uh, that potentially can help Columbus. And yet, that's one of those teams that when we're talking and hearing about uh, the small market teams, the struggling markets, Columbus is one that comes up. Yes. Um, now, uh, you and I had discussed it prior to Dan coming on, and it did not surprise me that he was going to have to back off a little bit of the conversation about the CBA proposal. Well, yeah. Um but I don't know if 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 we want to use some of this just a couple of seconds anyhow, just to go over a little bit about what was proposed yesterday. Yeah. Uh, because we hadn't really gotten into it prior to Dan coming on. Uh, yeah. But I had alluded to, and I kind of felt that the ownership uh, by proposing a fifty-fifty split uh, on the revenue sharing had come down off of it quite a bit. I, I don't know what your thinking was, Jonathan. Uh, you know what I. I really liked what the owners did, and, I, and as I told people at Ranger Nation today, is that you can't put any hate towards the NHL right now because they're the ones that are trying to make it work. Okay, but my question is, were you surprised by it? And as you just pointed out, you can't put hate towards it. It's no. the PR move. Exactly. I, it's, I, I don't think I, I was so much surprised as I was, uh, you know, just happy. You know, just to see somebody finally come out and do something about it, I think the deal all around is, is an extremely fair deal. You know, deal for both the NHL and the NHL PA. Uh, PA. I think when it came down to it, the uh, you know, you know, them thinking, listen, we we need to do something. We can't lose the season because there's been the reports that they lost so much money over the last few seasons that they just had no idea. You know what I mean? So they, so they had to do it. Um, Mike, I, I wouldn't say I was shocked about it, uh, but I can say that I'm damn happy about it. Uh -huh. Now, know. the way I read it, this is a six-year proposal with an option for a seventh year. Yeah. Uh, there is no sliding scale on this on this profit sharing. It's going to stay at fifty-fifty throughout the entire duration. Yeah. If yeah. I'm, it, it would that it, it might. Is that the way you read it as well? Yes. Yes. Oh. It, yes, it was. Yeah. Now there were cap adjustments that were made. Uh, but they came down off of the free agency thing, where, in fact, uh, per uh, particularly entry-level 
free agency is now backed off to two years, which I was very surprised at that uh, proposal coming from the owners. Yeah. Well, they, they backed don't want the down. season to start. You know, that's it. Just, just get it done. You know, let's uh, let's hope the NHLPA accepts it. You know? Yeah, it just sounds to me like they they kind of broke under a little bit of pressure. Perhaps maybe yeah. the ownership was feeling feeling the heat. Well, you know what? What I will be shocked about is if Fair and an NHLPA comes out and they try to work around this proposal and add more things. I, I, I honestly think they need to accept it. I think if they don't, they're going to lose the backing of the fans. And if the NHLPA and the players themselves don't have the backing from the fans, it's just going to open up a whole new can of worms. Well, I would think at this point it would be dead. Oh, uh, And, in fact, the fan base would completely turn against the NHLPA. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, well, we can only cross our fingers. We can only hope that there's going to be an NHL season this this year. Right. The offer looks good. The fans think it's good. The NHL think it's good. Some of the beat writers that I've spoke that, that I've spoken to and, and read, they think it's perfect. Let's get it done, man. We need hockey. Well, they got it. Yeah, they got to get it done, and then you know we're going to go through a very very quick. Uh, should they get it done by the 25th deadline, uh, then you're going to go through a very, very quick preseason. Yeah, agree. Well, Mike, let's uh, switch it over to uh, NFL now. Yep. Uh, you know, man, it was such great talking hockey, man. I it really was. It was. You know? I, 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 I'll be honest with you. I mean, we could keep talking for the next, you know, 18 minutes. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know what? I wish we could have had Dan on for the full hour. Yeah. He, he was giving such great insight and such uh, great information on not only the NHL, but the Columbus Blue Jackets roster and the organization itself. I enjoyed it. Yes. You know, and uh, you know what? We'll definitely have Dan on back. Uh, hopefully, when the season starts, you know. Well, and at that point, then, uh, uh, yeah, that would be great because, see, at that point, then he'll, I think, he'll be a little freer to talk about some of the conditions of this uh, CBA. And Dan, if you're still listening, we're going to talk about that Columbus Blue Jackets defense because I think it's it's going to be a really good defense. I I, I think it's going <laughs> to have to be. I think it's going to have to come up for sure uh, during the course of the season. You know, he, he you know what he said it himself. You know, you got the Jack Johnsons, you got the Toots. Uh, you, you know, you got the Wisniewski, and then you got guys like Nikitin, who is going to be their best defenseman, no doubt about it. You know? I'm going to be curious to see what Bobrovsky, you know, as I pointed out, knowing him down here from Philly, I'll be curious to see what he brings to uh, to uh, to, the, to Columbus. Yeah. yeah, listen, even if Mason starts and Bobrovsky's going to be the backup, it's going to be a good backup, you know. Mm-hmm. All right, man, let's uh, switch it over to uh, week seven of the National Football League. Yep. Um, and we're going to go to our picks, Mike which is what we do every Wednesday. Uh, but before we do that, can you give us a little update on the standings after week six? Oh, uh, standings, yes. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> can you give us an update on our mediocre standings, Mike? <laughs> do we really want to go over these? Okay, hold on. From uh, last week, let's see. Last week, uh, Jonathan, you were six and eight. Six and eight for the week, and you are currently cumulatively 51 and 40. Uh, last week, I went... Four and ten. Isn't that spectacular? Uh, to cumulatively go to 50 and 41, so you got a one-game lead. Oh, game man. Hey, listen, you know what? We're both over 500. That's all I care about. Oh, my goodness. Uh, all right. So well, listen, you know what? We have about 15 minutes left, Mike. <laughs> as we go through this, folks, just ignore everything we say for, like, the next seven minutes. Exactly. So, basically, whoever we pick, uh, we're picking the opposite here over at Fan Junkies Radio. We're terrible. Uh, terrible. Ah, terrible. Just like Charles Barkley. It's terrible. terrible. All right, so uh, let's get to the first game, uh, Thursday Night Football. The Seattle Seahawks at the San Francisco 49ers. 49ers, a uh, seven-point favorite. Yeah, the line, I think, is a little bit high at this particular time. 
Um, but I think you got to go with San Fran on this particular game. They're going to be they're coming off that big loss uh, from last week to the uh, Giants. Uh, it's at San Fran. Uh, I'm sure they're not going to be happy about the way that they got embarrassed uh, last week. So take uh, San Fran. Although I think the line is a little high. Yeah, the line's definitely high right now from the way Alex Smith has been playing the last couple of weeks. Yes. Uh, San Francisco coming off a devastating loss. Seattle coming off a very high with a really big win over the New England Patriots. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still going with the 49ers here, though. I think Frank Gore is going to have a pretty good day against that uh, Seattle defense. Yes. Uh, Tennessee Titans at the Buffalo Bills. Bills a three-point favorite. And you got to go with Buffalo on this one. Uh, in fact, I think Buffalo... Uh, Buffalo's going to win this one outright. Uh, take it, to, to lay the three points uh, easily. I think Buffalo wins this one uh, by more than that. Yes, yes. I'm with you there. I'm also picking the Bills. Uh, points are decent there, but I see a very, very big day from the Bills running backs here. Uh, Fitzpatrick, he'll probably throw like another 15 interceptions this game. Who knows? Uh, but you know what, C.J. Spiller, Fred Jackson, I think they're going to have a really decent day against the Titans' defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, Arizona Cardinals at the Minnesota Vikings. Vikings a six-point favorite. I think that is way too high. Well, I, I think the Vikings last week showed us uh, what they what they really are. Uh, yeah. They lost uh, to Washington, thirty-eight to twenty-six. Kevin Cobb is now out for the what the next uh, three four weeks. I read. Uh, so Arizona is going to be having to, I guess, go over to Skelton. Uh, I don't know if the line is all that high. Um, it's a game at Minnesota. Again, Minnesota uh, lost by, by 12 last week. If, in fact, they're a legitimate team, they're going to come back and they're going to win. Uh, and they're going to win by more than six. I'm taking Minnesota. Well, okay, well, I'm going to go with Arizona on this one. Um, I, I just don't think Minnesota's that good. I said that from the beginning of the year. Uh, I like Christian Ponder. It's a shame to see him uh, drop so quick like that, but I still think Arizona's going to win even with Cobb out. Um, you know, I think Skelton can, uh, you know, really attack uh, Minnesota through the air. Mm-hmm. So, Got we'll to see what happens there. You know what? Had to go opposite on you with that because we can't keep picking the same team. This is garbage. <laughs> uh, Cleveland Browns at the Indianapolis Colts. Colts a three-point favorite. Cleveland uh, is, a, is getting surprisingly, in my opinion, and I've said this all, all season long. Each week, we I think you see improvement in Cleveland. Yeah. Uh, Cleveland has some changes that went on internally this week uh, as well, although those changes haven't taken effect. Uh, I think there's a lot of hope from the fan base out there uh, in, in the Browns' territory. Yeah. Um, uh, nonetheless, nonetheless, uh, I, I'm going to pick Indianapolis. They're a three-point favorite. I say lay the points. I think Indy wins it outright on this. Really? Okay. Yep. Well, I'm actually going with the Indianapolis Colts as well, only because – Trent Richardson, rib injury, may not play, or he may play. That's going to be a big difference. If he doesn't play, I think they're going to have nothing to go on the Browns. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, going with the Colts. Mm-hmm. Baltimore Ravens at Houston Texans. Houston, a six-and-a-half point favorite. Houston, everybody's going to say right now, listen, Houston's going to be annoyed. Uh, they lost last week terribly, 42-24 uh, to 24 to the uh, Green Bay Packers. Terribly. Uh, it's another game at home. I don't like the line at six and a half. I think that's way too high for Houston. Uh, I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to pick Baltimore on the upset on this. Nope. Nope. Not at all. Texans are going to win this game. Why? Foster's going to have a beast of a game. No Ray Lewis. No Ladarius Webb. Two big hits to the Baltimore defense. Mm-hmm. Texans defense is still good. J.J. Watt going to get a couple more sacks here. Houston Texans are going to win this game 
I don't know if they're going to cover the spread, but they're going to win it. Yep. Uh, Green Bay Packers at St. Louis Rams. Green Bay, a five-and-a-half point favorite. I think that line should be a little higher, Mike, after this week's win. Uh, maybe. Uh, good for Green Bay fans that it's not. Uh, lay the points. Green Bay, hopefully the pack is back. Uh, they should beat uh, what I think is starting to look like the same old, same old uh, St. Louis Rams. Yes. Uh, a team that starts fairly well, what, right now I think they're, what, 3-3 three and three, St. Louis? I believe so. Um, they start fairly well, but they will begin to dwindle off as the season continues. Pick Green Bay on it. Lay the points. Get in early right now, unless those points start moving up. Get get it now. Yeah, it's it's definitely the Packers are winning this game, no doubt about it. Not even going to explain why. Dallas Cowboys at Carolina Panthers. Dallas a two point favorite. I think that line should be higher. Take Dallas. Yeah, you going with Dallas? I'm yep. going with the Panthers here. Okay. I got no faith in Dallas whatsoever. Never have. Never will. Washington Redskins at the New York Giants. Giants a six point favorite. Uh, I I had a I had to sit back on this one a little bit and uh, and give it some thought. Yeah. Because um, you know here's the issue. You're not. I'm just not sure at this point which Washington's Redskins team is showing up from one week to the next. Exactly. Um, it's a game in uh in New Jersey for for the Giants, so I think you got to give them the edge there. Uh, I'm going with the Giants on it, although the line. Might be a little high. This game might, you know, if you want to bet it, really bet it, and and you're a Washington fan, you might want to pick pick Washington, not to not to have the Giants cover the spread. But I'm going to pick the Giants to win it. Yeah, I'm going with the Giants here as well. Uh, you know what? If they could do what they did to the 49ers, they could do that against the Washington Redskins. But they're still going to have a little bit of trouble with RG3, I think. But I think their defense can can cover them. Uh, New Orleans Saints at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Saints are a three-point favorite. Oh, just for uh, just for giggles. Uh, yeah, I know New Orleans is coming off of the bye from last week, so they've had two weeks to get ready for the game. Uh, they're a three-point favorite. That's all. I don't get that. <laughs> I don't get it. Uh, now some would say it's actually a six-point uh, because you know technically Tampa should be getting three for playing at home. Yeah. So. Um, but I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to pick the upset. I'm going to pick Tampa Bay. Okay. I'm going to go with the Saints. I think they can uh, handle this, and I think they can uh, get that rare win in there. <laughs> uh, New York Jets at the New England Patriots. Patriots are a ten and a half point favorite. I think the line's a little high. Mike, who do you got? Well, we talked about this one on Monday. I thought the line would move by now, but it hasn't. It was ten no. and a half on uh, Monday uh, evening when we did the show. Uh, this line isn't moving. Um, I don't like the line. I no. think it's too high. Uh, Jets fans, pick the Jets because I don't think uh, I don't think New England's going to cover the line at ten and a half. Mm. Uh, but if I'm picking it head to head, I'm picking the uh, Patriots. Yeah, I'm actually going with the Patriots here as well. Um, I I don't have faith in the Jets against top teams right now. Um, if they could play like they did in Week One and last week against the Patriots, they have a chance of pulling off the upset here and taking control of first place in the AFC East. Unfortunately, I don't see it happen. It kills me to say it, but I'm going with the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Jacksonville Jaguars at the Oakland Raiders. Oakland are a four-point favorite. Uh, this is one of those no-brainers. Uh, take Oakland. Yep, Oakland as well here. Pittsburgh Steelers at Cincinnati Bengals. Steelers are a two-and-a-half-point favorite. This was another one I, I went back and forth on a little bit. Because, again, uh, Cincinnati to me 
is like a team like Washington where you're just not quite sure which team is showing up uh, from one week to the next. Yes. You know, uh, which Andy Dalton's going to show up? Uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Pittsburgh uh, to cover the two and a half point line. Um, I, I, and I would recommend everybody take take Pittsburgh. Yeah. Well, this is my upset here. I'm going with the Bengals. Uh, you know. You think you think the other Andy Dalton showing up? Yeah. He could, you know, he's, he's, he's still doing pretty good this season. So, uh, once again, I'm going to go with my whole notion that this ain't the typical Steelers team of the past. Um, I, I really like the playmakers the Bengals have, um, you know, you know, from Hawkins and Gresham, you know, on down. I think the Bengals can pull this off, especially at home. Okay. Monday Night Football, Mike, going to be a good one, depending on what Matt Stafford we get. Detroit Lions at the Chicago Bears. Chicago Bears, a six-point favorite. Well, you just said it. It depends on which Matt Stafford shows up. And, and you're right. It should be a good game. And, and which Jay Cutler we get, which yeah, is always the crappy one. Listen, this is a classic. I mean, yeah. this is an NFL classic right here. Uh, Chicago is favored by six. Um, got my buddy Matt Forte over there. Uh, I am picking Chicago to win and to cover the line. Yep. I'm going with you on that as well. I love the Detroit Lions. I love Megatron. I love the team. Unfortunately, Matt Stafford is the death of that team this year. Inconsistent. Very inconsistent this year, which is not like him. You know, that's something we did not expect this year coming from Matt Stafford. Unfortunately, the inconsistent bug has hit him. Going with Chicago, and I agree with you, they're going to cover the spread. Yeah, and I sung Matt Stafford's praises all season long last year. I mean, I was a big Matt Stafford fan. I, I really thought he was something special, and I have just been terribly, terribly disappointed uh, this season so far watching uh, watching Detroit. All right. Well, there you go. That's our picks. You're probably better off picking the opposite ones, everybody listening, because Mike and me are mediocre. Mediocre. That's the triple M. Mike, mediocre. mediocre. Yep. All right, Mike. Uh, we got a little, uh, about six minutes left in this show. Let's talk about the whole Lance Armstrong thing before we uh, sign off here. Sure. Um, Lance Armstrong, he stepped down as the head of Lift Strong today. Nike terminated his contract. You read everything that happened, Mike. You have some opinions on it. What do you think? Well, I, I, I've been saying it, and, and I pointed out to you pre-show, you know, I, I've taken some heat on my opinion on this. Uh, from some folks around me and some from some other analysts, I, I, I just do not understand how this man has had skepticism and allegation follow him for over a decade, and there's nothing to it. I don't see how that's even possible. Yeah, you know, uh, my my contention has been that where there is smoke, there is fire. Uh, particularly when you've got as much smoke as you've got around Lance Armstrong. I don't get it. Um, I, I, in some respects, I, I also pointed out to you that I kind of felt that perhaps Nike, Nike bailed out on him. Yeah. Uh, you know, they pulled, they pulled their, uh, their, their, I guess, supportive end. They don't want him endorsing uh, their, their endorsement. And at the, uh, I, he had indicated he had indicated a couple of weeks ago, I guess maybe actually now almost two months ago, that he wasn't going to fight the allegations any longer. That was it. He was done. He was thrown in the towel. He wasn't going to fight it. And perhaps maybe as I pointed out, you know, the loss of of the Nike endorsement is is uh, uh, part and parcel of some of that. Where uh, since he's not going to fight it, Nike just felt compelled that they could not any longer keep him 
uh, you know, on the payroll. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. I, see, to me, I don't. Maybe I. Maybe I'm different, uh, and maybe I'm not understanding the whole concept. I mean, this guy's been fighting allegations, as I pointed out, for what? Well over a decade, a decade and a half. Easily. Yeah. And uh, uh, perhaps maybe he's just fatigued. He's just tired, and he said, "You know, something to hell with it. I, I, I can't do this anymore." Yeah. But to me, if I were innocent, I would be fighting until my dying day. And now, now, is, is he not fighting it anymore? You think because it's true, or he, he just he knows he's not going to be able to win, or he's just done with it and, well, and think, doesn't care? Yeah, I think I think in his comments from, uh, like I said, I, I guess it was not maybe not quite two months ago, but in his comments uh, uh, a number of weeks ago, he indicated you know he was tired of it, yeah. you know. That he felt, I guess he felt it was a no-win situation. That there was no way that he was ever going to redeem himself. There was no way he was ever going to be able to clear his name. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've heard uh, people around me who've indicated that. Uh, well, it, you know, there are people who have access to grind against him. Yeah. Uh, that that he hasn't played he hasn't played the corporate game the way he should. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, somehow or another, I just have a little difficulty buying that kind of concept. That you know. You know, to have constant allegations coming up uh, about doping uh, and about uh, uh, using uh, uh, performance enhancements. Uh, I don't see how you can have that many allegations brought up against you for as many years in a row. You discount them, uh, you clear your name, and yet they keep coming back. I don't get it. Mm. Now, let me ask you this, Mike, uh, before we end it because we only got a couple minutes left. The statement that Nike released. They said right in the statement that Lance Armstrong participated in doping and he misled Nike for more than a decade. Mm-hmm. Do you see Nike filing a lawsuit and going after any funds that they basically gave Lance Armstrong and paid Lance Armstrong now that they know that they were misled by him? Well, that's that's a good question uh, because that's some pretty strong language coming from Nike. Isn't exactly. It? Yes. Um, I I think the. It might be a tough lawsuit for them to to cover. I'll be honest with you, because uh, there hasn't—I was going to say—there hasn't been any real evidence. Well, there's been evidence that something went went wrong, but yet some of that evidence is contrary. I mean, there, there there's contrary evidence on both sides of the issue. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know whether Nike really would have a case to go at him uh, over the whole situation. So, uh, although that's very strong language coming from Nike, very strong. To indicate that, that they actually were deceived for 10 years, I mean, that what they're indicating is they're indicating culpability, and they're indicating uh, that it was purposeful. Nice. Understandable. All right, Mike. Well, once again, it's the end of another great show. We want to thank Dan Hydenote, the Columbus Blue Jackets assistant coach and former NHL player, for joining us. It yep. was phenomenal, and we'll definitely have him back on in the future. Yep. Friday's show is going to be a good one. We're going to have Ken Avalon, the Philadelphia Sports Hall of Fame president, on to talk about the 2012 inductee class that has Eric Lindros, Doug Collins, Mike Piazza, Joe Klecko, Tommy Thompson, and so, so many others. Tune in for that. It's going to be a really, really good one. And as always, for Mike McShane and myself, we want to thank you for listening in. Because of you, we keep going. Friday, episode 20. Thank you again, everybody. All right, have a good one.